We had a great week this week. <laughs> we uh, had a bunch of people out on a boat. Captain Mac had the pontoon boat. I had my boat out, man, or God's boat out. And we had everybody out on the boats. It was a great, great time, man. Went out to uh, different islands and hung out and uh, uh, on sandbars, just soaking it all in. It was wonderful. About 12, 1230, Max like, hey, guys, I have the boat all day. So if I want to go, go eat lunch, lunch at, at Little Jim, we can all go to Little Jim. So I had some folks on my boat that were going to Little Jim. And um, we go to Little Jim right across from the boat ramp. And, dude, Mac, you'd have been so proud of me, man. I was like, all right, now, uh, you know, I was telling Bill, Bill Cooper's on the front. I said, Bill, Captain Mac taught me how to parallel park this thing. And the most important feature of parallel parking a boat is the guy on the bow. Getting that bow line down so you can swing it all around. If you mess up, we all mess up, Bill, and it's your fault. But, anyways... So Bill took his job serious, and Bill did a great job on that. And then all of a sudden, I slide, I like a spot there, and I hold on to the pylon. I'm like, hey, man, you guys just get out. You're good. Uh, hold on to the pylon. I'm holding on to the pylon, man. And, and the last one out just kicked my, my stern out, and, and I'll take off backwards, and I'll go out, and we'll be great. It'll be awesome. And so we're holding on. I'm not tied down. I'm just holding on. And um, everybody's getting their stuff out. And Tom and Amy are like, and Tom's like, hey, where's my sandals? Oh, hey, wait. Amy's like, where's this? And other people are like, oh. And, and they're just getting stuff off the boat because they were on two different boats, wondering where it was all at. And as I'm listening to them saying, oh, where's this? Where's that? I'm like, hey, where's my dog? <laughs> where's my dog? How many of y'all know my dog, Leah? Man, she ain't got no enemies in the world. That dog, she loves everybody and everything except cats. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, <clears throat> so Leah, I'm like, I'm holding on the pylon, and I'm like, they're like, oh, Leah took off. And I'm like, nobody stopped her? <laughs> I'm just like, because it wasn't your responsibility. It was mine. But I'm holding on to the boat, and Leah got off. So as I look, I don't know if you've been to Little Jim's at the dock, but you walk up the dock, and, and all of a sudden, there's people sitting there. And there's people on the little bar sitting there, and I say it like this, and, you know, I'm sure somebody's feeding her something, or she's getting scraps under the table, which I'll pay for later, because she's one of them fancy dogs that has to eat good food, or has stomach issues, but I'll leave it there. But anyways, so she's there getting food, she's there hanging out with people, and I'm like, all right, and Amy and Vicky said, oh, I'll go get her. Well, Amy still had to get some stuff, and Vicky still had to get some stuff, and I'm watching Leah make friends with everybody, because again, Barb, she's, she's a good friend, right? We have pictures of Leah kissing Barb on the lips, all right? And that, she had nothing to do with that. Don't get mad at my dog, all right? But yeah, she's just that kind of dog. So I'm thinking, all right, my dog's going in there and going to make friends with everyone in the place, and then they'll come out, and only people who hate dogs will hate her, so that's just the way we're going to go. How many of y'all hate dogs? But Don't raise your hand. I, there's Ashley. I knew Ashley would raise her hand. And, and so, so there it is. We're in there, and all of a sudden, I see Amy with a pleasant face that she's trying to make. <laughs> and she's got my dog by the collar, and she's dragging her back. Or I don't know. That's just what I was imagining. And, and she brings her back. And Leah wasn't going willingly. <laughs> no, she was not going willingly, was she? So Amy's dragging her back to the boat. And I said, Leah, get on the boat. She gets on the boat finally and didn't really want to get on the boat. And Amy says, oh, I think these were your words. I think she found a couple of house cats in Little Jim, and she didn't like them very much. <laughs> hey, Chuck, could you imagine Jetty getting loose in Little Jim at lunch, full capacity, and there being a couple of house cats under the thing? How many of y'all can imagine my dog? She's a hunting dog, and she, I mean, she's like looking for people. Everybody's great. Everything's great. All of a sudden, there's a couple of cats, and they're like, and boom. Buddy, she, I, I didn't even have to know. She, did you crawl under a table to get her? Almost, almost, yeah. What's that? Oh, no, the cats were not happy because she wanted to kill them. All right, I'm just saying, that's, the, that, that, that's where she's at. Again, she's a dog. Uh, let me ask you a question. So, so she gets loose, crowded restaurant, everybody the table's full, and, and these two cats are, are, I imagine, running for their life. And she's pretty agile, and she is chasing them. Why is my dog, Chuck, you're a smart guy when it comes to animals, why is my dog chasing these cats? Because that's what dogs do. Now, some of you are like, well, not my dog. I have my dog trained to not chase cats. And it's like, well, you know what? 
If cats are sin and dogs are us as believers, that's what Satan does to us. He trains us not to chase sin. Because my illustration today is this. Listen, you know why she chased the cats? Because that's her nature to chase the cats. And so that's how she's bred. That's what she does. If you were a dog, you would chase cats unless somebody trains you to do different. And so we've been talking a lot about being in Christ. This is Christ and... uh, This is Christ, and this ball is you. And when you get born again, you are in Christ. And wherever Christ goes, whatever Christ has done, you have done it with him, and it's been attributed to you, and you are in Christ right now. And when you are in Christ, you have a brand new nature. You don't have your old nature anymore. When you come into this world, do you like sin or not? When you come into the world. How many of y'all like sin before you got saved? Yes! And sin had pleasure for a season. It was when the consequences hit that we didn't like it. And the consequences may have just simply been your mom spanking you because you sinned, right? I'm just saying that our nature, our old nature wants to sin. And then the old nature doesn't want the consequence. The old nature gets sick of it. And at some point when you get born again, God gives you a brand new nature. What he does is you, you give your life to Christ. And now you are in Christ. So when Christ died on the cross... You died with Him. What did Christ do on the third day, y'all? When Christ rose, you rose with Him. And now He says, your old man that loved sin is dead. It's dead. And it, it can't control you anymore, but you live this life in the flesh. And so we still live in the flesh. And Satan, who is our arch enemy, he has created a world system that feeds our flesh, and our flesh loves it. And so we are always fighting the flesh. We're told to crucify the flesh. We don't have to crucify the old man because the old man's already dead. We crucify the flesh in that. And what the flesh brings is sin. So again, if y'all are cat fans, please don't take this illustration any farther than, than an illustration. But dogs hate cats. Real dogs. I'm saying that. Real dogs hate... I ain't talking... I ain't even going to go into that, but... Y'all got dogs that are scared of cats, man. That's all I'm saying. And they bred them that way. (laughs) But seriously, real dogs hate cats the way that real believers hate sin. That's what we're going to see in Scripture, man. When you are a true believer and you are in Christ, does Christ love anything about sin? Does Christ Christ have a a pet sin that he likes? No, Christ hates sin so much that he took all of it on him at the cross. He was buried in our sins. He was was, was smashed on him. He paid the penalty for it. Christ hates sin. And when we're in Christ, then what what can you say about us in sin? If, If Christ hates sin and we're in him, what can you say about us? We hate sin in our new nature. But we have a flesh that loves it. That's why we have to continually kill the flesh. So with our new nature, man, you know, dogs hate cats the way Christians should hate sin. And again, don't take that anymore. And, and, and let's go ahead and go with that. Let's go with the one illustration of, well, and I'm not going to take this dog cat thing too much farther, but I was thinking about that because some of y'all would be like, you just need to train your dog. You need to keep your dog on a leash. You need to, well, yeah, yeah, okay, that's right. I, I get it. But isn't that what Satan has done to the church? It's a dog's nature to hate sin. Hey, what Ian back there, man, what, what is a, what, if my dog, a hound dog, old hunting hound dog catches a cat, what's he going to do to it? He's going to kill it. That's his nature. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that's his nature. And when we as believers encounter sin with our new nature, we should kill it. We want to crucify it. That's what we're told to do because of how bad it is in there. But guess what? How many of y'all seen the coexist sticker? I'm just throwing that one up. And if that was really any good, you'd realize the C would eat all the other letters in here. But isn't that what is going to happen to Christianity? What's got to happen to Christianity for a one world religion is that, is that we have to train these dogs not to like, not to hate cats. So we got to take all of you Christians and train you not to hate sin. I'm not saying hate the sinner. Because every one of us are sinners and, and, and He loves us dearly, but to hate sin. But we're being trained by this world. The world's putting us on a leash. 
The world's got little treats. How many of y'all train your dog? Barb, where's Barb Cooper at, man? Barb Cooper, you're hiding back here somewhere. Oh, where is she? Oh, there you are. Man, Barb, you have a little doggy bag with treats. What is that for? Is that for Bill or Taz or both? I'm just saying. <laughs> or it could be for you. I mean, you know, the Karen makes them. They're all good. They just ain't got no sugar in them. But I'm just saying, but, but in that treat, what do people do? They carry a little bag around with treats. And what do they use those treats to do? To get the dog to do what? Pretty much whatever you want. Satan has done that with the church. And he's done it through pastors. He's done it through people who don't read his word. He's got a little bag of tricks and, and, and he appeals to the flesh and says, here, here. And I've watched the whole church go. Not the whole church, but I've watched whole churches go. I watched me go. Until I realize I'm being led away by doggy treats from Satan to do whatever he wants me to do and not what Christians hate sin unless you've been trained not to. That's your new nature in this. So check this out right here. Why did my dog go chase a cat? Because that's what that's what dogs do. Why do Christians hate sin? Because that's what Christians do. There is nothing good about sin. It's eradicated out of us. There's nothing good about it. So revival in Romans, as we look at this today, here's what he tells us. He tells us to live in Christ. If you live in Christ, you will be led by the Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Will the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of this world, will the Spirit of God ever lead you into any sin? He's leading you into maybe a test like he did. The Spirit of God led Jesus out in the wilderness to be tested by the devil for 40 days. And again, God does the what? He does the testing. The devil does the... And we do the what? So is the Spirit of God ever leading you into sin for you to sin? Hey, does the Spirit of God ever, ever be like, oh, hey, Donna, man, you know what? You've been a good girl. Here, here's a little bit of sin to help you out. No, sin is bad. The consequences of sin is death. That's what ends up happening in all of this. There is nothing good about sin anymore for a believer. So to live in Christ is to be led by the Spirit. So many people have this idea that if I'm going to live holy, I've got to give up all this good stuff. Dude, <laughs> that's not the case. If you ever walk with God and you walk in His holiness and you walk in the Spirit, which I know you guys have, Chuck, what do you get when you're walking in the Spirit? Peace! How's that? Is that better than the consequences of sin? So again, everybody has this... Because the world system tells us. The world system tells us, oh, you're going to be one of those killjoys. You're going to be one of those boring people. You're going to be one of those that, that lives... You know, oh, holy roller, holy whatever. You've heard all the names, Mac. You're old enough. How many names have you heard, man? Back in the day, holy rollers. Remember that one? You Jesus freaks and blah blah. Yeah, yeah, man. He's been a Christian a long time. He's heard them all. So just, that's not saying you're old, but it is. But anyways, but in that, that's the world's concept. Oh no, you're gonna live righteous. You're gonna live holy. You're gonna live the way God wants you to live. What a killjoy. What a bummer. What a horrible way. To, no. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. What else? Boy, those are pretty horrible things so far, aren't they? <laughs> Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, all of those. Those are horrible. But then you look in the list in Galatians, I believe it is. He says, the manifestations of the flesh. What are those? What are the manifestations of the flesh? Yeah, fighting strife, envy, arguing, all the things Charlie's telling us to pray against in, in, in Washington, D.C. and everywhere else that our leadership is there. And by the way, Paul told Timothy, pray for all those in leadership. Pray for all of them in leadership so you can live a godly and peaceable life. And again, you look and you say, oh, those people are horrible. Those people are wretched. They're wicked. Pray for them because so were you till you got saved and got a new nature. Wouldn't it be awesome? In your mind, think of the most wicked, awful politician. You don't say their name. Just think of their name. In your head, I said don't say it. Come on. Right now, would you beg God for their soul? God, would you save them? 
What if God would save them right now? Is God big enough to save them right now? Oh no, they're too hard. No, no, so are you. They're no harder to save than you. That we beg God for their souls because it's until they walk in the Spirit, if they don't walk in the Spirit, we won't have a peaceful life. That's why Paul told Timothy to pray that way. But the point is to live in Christ is to be led by the Spirit. That's how you know you're le- that you're in Christ. I've had people, a few people, quite a few people actually, since we've been using this illustration, what does it mean? How do I know if I'm in Christ? What does it mean to be in Christ? I've had numerous conversations with people and it's like, well, we're going to get to that. In this passage today, he's going to say, you know you're in Christ when you know it's the Spirit that's leading you as opposed to your flesh, as opposed to your desires, as opposed to your wants, as opposed to what everybody else wants, what, what all kinds of, you're now being led by the Spirit. What do you want me to do now, God? And you do it. And that's how you're led. That's how you know you're in the Spirit. That's how you know that you're in Christ. So let's take a look at this real quick. Two killer things that I think you're going to find encouraging. You're like, well, you haven't been very encouraging, especially for you cat lovers, right? How many of y'all are never coming back because, like, you got cats, and you're like, dude, your dog, don't get him. Just don't bring your dog on the boat, and we'll be okay. Now, or your cat on the boat, I mean. How many of y'all would bring your cat on the boat? You got a cat on your boat, don't you? You got a cat on your boat? Oh, what's that? Oh, good, good, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm right there with you, but my wife is a cat person, so <laughs> that was that was growing up. She played with feral cats in the barn. That was her pets, and so... Yeah, God puts opposites together. So anyways, enough of that. All right, look at this. The Holy Spirit, the first thing we're going to learn, when you are in Christ, there's some things that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who lets you know you're in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who keeps you in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides you in Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, you're walking in the flesh. You have a legalistic theology that says you have a bunch of rules that you're just saying, boom, boom, this is what I do. No, that's what the Pharisees had. What God wants you to do is have a thriving relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and He lives inside of you. Austin, does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? Are you just saying that because Sophie's dad's right there? Or is he, do you know? Do you know? Is there evidence? Have, have you ever been wanting to do something wrong, and the Holy Spirit just says, no, man, do this right thing? Has that ever happened? All right, there you go, Terry. I'm just saying, but it's like, yeah. But that's it. The Holy Spirit leads us in doing the right thing. If anybody ever says, oh, the Holy Spirit led me to do this, and like, no, no, he did not. The Holy Spirit of God is the whole key to our abundant life, and that's what we're getting into in chapter 8. All the things that God uses his Holy Spirit for in our lives. And so many people are scared of the Holy Spirit because of what so many other people have made of the Holy Spirit, but you can't live the Christian life without the power and direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. You can't live it. So the first thing we're going to learn is that you can't kill the flesh. When you've got a temptation, how many of y'all have ever had a temptation? Let's hear you had a temptation. How many of y'all are like, okay, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. How many of y'all have like grunted it out in the flesh like, no, I'm going to go. Anybody relate to that? You don't even know what I said. You said the same thing. You were like, right? That's not how we do it. It might have worked a little bit there, but you were faced with it again and again and again. And you know, I can't tell you, I'm sad to say how many times I've tried to grunt the right thing out in the flesh. I've tried in the flesh to make it work. You know what I learned here? The Holy Spirit is the only one that can kill the flesh. The Holy Spirit kills the flesh. The Holy Spirit guides us in the right thing, and He kills the wrong desires. Check this out in Romans 8, chapter 12, or chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. So then, brothers, and, and again, he's, he's brothers and sisters, he's talking about us that are related through Christ, all of us that are in Christ. He says, we are debtors not to the flesh. You don't owe the flesh anything. You don't owe your, owe your old nature anything. You don't need to keep it alive. You need to kill it. He says, it's already been killed. You don't owe it anything. You don't owe the flesh anything. So to live according to the flesh, he says, no, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh, we push too many buttons, JJ. You push and I push. All right, there we go. Uh, I'm just going to let you push because you're there, dude. And there we go. All right. So he goes on to say, for if you live according to the flesh. Here, what's the flesh? Austin, you know what it is? The flesh says, 
I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do it. But God didn't, isn't in any of it. It's just you wanting to do it. The flesh is you saying, I'm going to do this because, you know what, I can do it. And you know what, I can probably find a whole group of people. I might even find a whole club of people that want to do this. A bunch of people to justify doing it. And that must mean it's okay, but it doesn't matter. Even by myself, I want to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. He says, if you do that, that's living in the flesh. And he says, you will die. If that is your lifestyle, if you call the shots in your life, you are the shot caller in your life, you will die. And you will die eternally. Because you're not being led by the Spirit. You're being led by your flesh. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never made a commitment to Him. So He said the proofs in the pudding. It's not like, oh, I have to start living by the Spirit. No! Hey, did my dog have to decide, oh, wait a minute, I'm a dog. i got to go chase a cat. Is that what? Now, Leah, you see cats today, you got to chase cats. All right, that's how people look at preaching a lot of time. But really what's in the Word of God says, if you're a believer, this is what's indicative of believers. No, dude, her instinct just kicked in the same way that if you get tempted by sin, you're like, no! You might be like, ooh, and then you're like, no! No, I'm not doing that. Now you got to figure out how not to do it. First of all, the desire. Where does the desire to do the right thing come from? Yeah, it comes from the Holy Spirit. Who gives it to you? In, exactly. So if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. So if your desire is just, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to, I'll work things out with God, or I've got to deal with God. No, you don't. You're going to die. You're going to spend eternity in hell. You, it, we've already been over all that. But if by the Spirit you put to the, look at this, but if by the Spirit you put to death, put to what? Yeah. He doesn't want you to take the sin and put it on a shelf. He doesn't want you to be nice to the sin. What does God want you to do with sin? Kill it! There was an old preacher, in fact, it's given to a bunch of different people. The, the quote is quoted to a bunch of people that if you don't kill it, it's going to kill you. How about that? That's the truth. If you don't kill sin, sin will kill you. So again, I, I, can, again, here's another controversial topic with some folks, maybe not here, but concealed carry weapons, all right? And a Christian carrying a gun, you know, is that, is that biblical? Is that not biblical? Is that whatever? And, and I will, go ahead, I'll step out and I'll tell you where I'm at on all of this situation here. I do have a concealed carry weapon. I do carry because the only thing that will take a bad guy out with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And there is a big difference between murder and self-defense. If I am by myself and somebody comes at me with a gun, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'd have to have God's grace to let me know in that moment what I'm supposed to do. But if it was my choice at that point, dude, take me out, bro. <laughs> take me out. Yes, what? It's my time to go? I'm, literally, how many of y'all are looking forward to your time to go? And that's not masochistic. You're like, well, it sounds to me because that's what the world says. Do you understand? And if you don't, under, hang tight because you know what I get when I get to heaven? Everything. I'm an heir of Christ. Everything Christ inherited, I get. I'm an equal co-heir with Christ. Take me out! <laughs> I promise you, somebody came in here with a gun. Somebody come in here and they're like, well, I'm going to shoot. I'm like, go ahead, bro. I'm serious as a heart attack. I would say, I, literally, I know that when I die, I'm going where? I'm going to heaven. And guess what, Terry? I ain't going until who decides? Till God. Till God. And I'll tell the dude, I've thought this through in my head so many times if it ever happened in a church service. I was like, plus, I already know a bunch of you guys would all be like, <laughs> I got people all over this whole building right now. I don't even care who shows up. I got you. You're there. But let me have a chance to talk to the dude and hopefully say, be, share the gospel. Because in there I say, look, go ahead. But you know what? When I die, I'm going to heaven. You making this decision is a good indication you're probably not. You aren't going to be able to pull the trigger. You're not going to be able to kill me. You're not going to be doing it unless God allows it. And if God allows it, he's going to be glorified in this. And the greatest glory you can have is your life changing. Of you realizing whatever you're doing this for is wrong. And, and, and man, and you, God brought you to church to kill the preacher so you could get saved. 
And if you kill me, I can't baptize you. I'm just saying. <laughs> but literally. But somebody comes in here, man, and we got a gun-free zone, and there's nobody, and all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. You know what? We all, you go look in the Bible, we do have the responsibility to protect life. Whether it's an abortion or somebody coming in a gun-free zone blowing people away. That's the only reason I carry, is if I have to protect life. And I pray to God, I never, ever have to use the gun I carry. To have to do that, you got to have a preconceived idea. You got to already know ahead of time the whole thing. Don't you be carrying it if you ain't going to use it. You go to classes, you go to whatever, but I'm just saying, you got to go to God and you got to be okay because, dude, killing a human life, that's a pretty tough thing. That's a pretty crazy thing right there. So again, I don't even know where we got into this, but if the Spirit... <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Okay, so where'd I go from there, Jason? All right. <laughs> I don't know, I just felt like really... Oh, I know where I'm at. I pulled the middle wedgie, here we go. All right. Middle wedgie, get it? <laughs> All right, but so in Florida... All right, maybe anywhere else. It really is anywhere else. If you do carry a gun and you ever are going to use that gun, the only viable reason for using that gun that will ever stand up in any court, in any place, any jurisdiction, unless you've got connections, but for any of us, for any of us, is it's either my life or your life. If I can't say that I pulled the trigger because if I didn't pull the trigger, another life was going to die, then I'm going to prison. And again, we look at it, we can look at it that way. It is. It's my life or your life. That's what the whole stand your ground junk is. That's what everything is. My life or your life. And unfortunately, if you don't kill the person, they can say whatever they want. You still end up in prison. So pray you're never in that situation. But it's my life or your life. That's it. And the point I'm trying to make is, how serious is that? Tom, how serious is that? Somebody's there, got a gun to your kids and your wife's head, and it's, it's my life or their life. You know, their life, or, or, it's a choice there. And we see it in this situation like that. Is that not hard to see? But we don't see it the same way with sin. And that's what he's saying in this. Look what he says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But that's if you're just living in the flesh and you're not a believer. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So he's saying if you don't take the Holy Spirit of God and kill the sin that's in your life. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can kill it, which is the point. If you don't kill sin, sin will what? Sin will kill you. Do you believe that? So why do we venture into the things we venture into? We don't believe it'll kill us. But the Word of God says it'll kill us. Amen? Amen. It does say that is what will happen. If you don't kill sin, sin kills you. Maybe not instantly. Man, which would you rather have, the guillotine or the rack? It can guillotine you. But it can also rack you, man. And it can mess your life up for a long time because one of the most dangerous things about getting away with sin is that becomes your lifestyle. It becomes your lifestyle. And Satan likes to get you up on a high enough horse or when he knocks the legs out, you get hurt and you get hurt bad. So again, the point is, is that sin, if you don't kill sin, sin's going to kill you. So you need a weapon, don't you? You need a weapon. You need a way to kill sin. Can you kill sin with your flesh? No. Can, can you kill sin with a gun? No. All right, how about a bazooka? Can you kill sin with a bazooka? No. What is the weapon that we need to use to kill sin? Oh, no, no, listen. No, read this again. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But look at this. But if by the Holy Spirit, what's that say? By the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And Karen, I agree. You implement the Holy Spirit's power in that through prayer, through studying God's Word to know what sin is and isn't so that you don't get trained with a bag of dog treats and be doing junk that you think God's okay with and it's not. 
So Satan don't put you on a leash even if you're a believer. So the point is, is you got to be in the Word of God to know who the Holy Spirit really is. you got to be in the Word of God to know who God is, what He'll lead you to do and what He won't lead you to do. And then you got to trust in the Holy Spirit's power to be able to do what to sin? Yeah. If you just want to hurt it and get it away from you. I just wanted to go. I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want, to, I don't want any issues. No, you don't kill sin, sin kills you. That's what the Scripture says. So if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will what? You'll live. Is that brain surgery, y'all? No. So when we encounter sin, Selma, what do you got to do with sin? You got to kill it. Don't just go, now, I'm warning you. (laughs) No, you kill it. And how do we kill it? Who do we ask to kill it for us? The Holy Spirit of God. So you're encountering this temptation. You're encountering sin. Who do you immediately bring in on the gunfight? Holy Spirit of God. You're like, Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know what? I know what you want me to do and what you don't want me to do. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, give me the power to be able to do the right thing. What if you don't even want to do the right thing? Holy Spirit, give me the desire and ability to do the right thing. Give me the ability. God, give me the want to to do the right thing because right now I just want to do the wrong thing. How many of y'all had that happen in snowbird traffic so far? Yeah. I'm just saying. If that's sin, you kill. I did. I was pulling a boat today down Indian River Drive. And I'm a little late for church because I had to take everything out of the boat. And I was making good time till that Yahoo, not you, you're Austin, not a Yahoo, sorry. But some dude doing 25. I did look and I waited till it was safe to pass, but I passed him. And then God's like, you're going to preach the word and you big sinner. I'm like, Holy Spirit, give me the desire not to do this again. And nobody got my way again, the rest of the trip here. But again, God, we're always being faced. Sin kills us if we don't kill sin. And you implement the Holy Spirit. You don't pull out a gun. You don't pull out a knife. You pull out the Holy Spirit of God and say, Holy Spirit, I need the power to overcome this situation in my life. Depression. Discouragement. Is that sin? You bet it is. Who's the only one who can help you kill that? The Holy Spirit of God. By you being in the Word and figuring out who your real identity is, what God wants you to do and what He does, who you are in Christ, and the Holy Spirit will help you be who you are supposed to be in Christ. You can't be who you're supposed to be in Christ without the Holy Spirit. That's why it tells us that to be in Christ means to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you don't kill sin, sin will kill you, and the Holy Spirit's never leading you into sin. He's the only one who can kill sin to get you out of it. So the Holy Spirit kills sin. How many of y'all are glad that topic's over? It's not because you are going to be faced with it. Y'all are driving through snowbird traffic again. I'm just saying, I mean, you guys are going to be at the restaurant. You're going to be somebody. How many of y'all know your spirituality is going to, your holiness is going to be challenged today? Yeah. The rest of y'all, just ignorant, man. I'm just saying, no. Literally, some, a lot of times you guys ask me, different people say, hey, how can I pray for you? And if I'm kind of like, you know, my, one of my standard prayers that I ask people to pray for is help me live holy and preach Jesus. That's just not some random thing to say, but I, it's hard to preach Jesus if I ain't living holy, and it's hard to live holy if I don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, what kind of spirit? Holy. That's why He wants to kill sin, because there ain't nothing holy about sin but you need him to do it. So next time you find yourself, uh, Julie, next time you find Brad struggling over there, man, on his own, like, no, no, wait, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Just ask God's Holy Spirit to give you the power. Put it in his hands. He gives you the desire and ability to do what God wants you to do in that. So so again, you're going to be faced. Your holiness is going to be challenged and know that in Christ, you are led of the Spirit, so when your holiness is challenged, you're being, ch- you're being led to a place where now you can 
Ask the Holy Spirit of God to help you overcome this because God does the testing, the devil does the... And we do the trusting. This is your chance to trust. The next thing, and this is the good news, more good news, that's good news. I'm glad I got the Holy Spirit to overcome sin for me because I can't. The next thing is the Holy Spirit confirms our adoption. Let's us know we're children of God. How many of y'all have ever heard the erroneous thing people have to say? That, oh, everyone's a child of God. Please don't raise your hand and tell me you believe that. Because then I know you have not read Scripture. Even, the, even in uh, Romans chapter 6, we learn in the first six chapters. We come in this world as a sinner. We come in this world as an enemy to God. Born in Adam. Born with the nature to sin. And that when we give our life to Christ, He now kills that old nature and gives us a new one. He gives us a new marriage to Him. And not married to the law. So again, not everybody's a child of God. No, you don't come into the world that way. You do come into the world innocent. A baby comes in innocent, and we believe in that innocence that if they died, they would be in heaven. We believe that from a story that we have from David and so on. I believe that. But once you know the difference between right and wrong, dude, and you pick wrong, you're not innocent anymore. How many of y'all remember taking baths with your sister or brother? Come on. <laughs> You're like, no, that's gross. Well, for most of us that only had one bathtub in limited time, dude, that's just what happened, right? Until about last year. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. no, literally. How many of y'all remember running, how, you know, running around naked, Terry, and didn't even care, right? Well, that was probably military age, but I'm talking like when you're a kid. Seriously, when you're a kid, little kids, do they care that they're, Tom, do they care that they're running around naked? Do they care that they're in the bathtub with their sister? Ooh, she pooped in the bathtub. How many of y'all remember that one? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you for being honest. Everybody else is too pious. Oh, we never do. No, there was a time where you didn't care. It wasn't right. It wasn't wrong. It was just what we did. But then how many of y'all remember a day where all of a sudden, dude, I ain't taking a bath with my sister no more. I ain't, I, whoa, hang on, I'm getting chained. How many of y'all remember in your kids, not your life, but you've seen it happen in other people's lives where all of a sudden it's like, hmm, that ain't right. Y'all remember that? What if someone's like 30, Abby, and they're like, and they still ain't got it? That, there's something wrong, I'm just saying. At some point in our innocence, we now all of a sudden get it. There is right and wrong. And, and, and let me ask you a question. When Adam and Eve, I can't prove this biblically or whatever, but when Adam and Eve, yeah, I can prove this part, but when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing they noticed? They're naked. Yeah, that's why I bring that up. You know, the whole bathtub thing or whatever. It's like, if you're old and you want to take a bath to your sister right now, you, you need to come get counseling right now. We'll talk about it. And I'm out of the police there also. <laughs> right? But as a child, it's innocence. Until the innocence is taken away and now they understand there's right and wrong. And at that point, you need to be saved or you're not saved. Only two kinds of people in this world. And so the Holy Spirit... When we're born again, how do you know that you're in Christ? How do you know you're in Christ? Because the Holy Spirit tells you you're in Christ. That's how you know. This is another advantage of, of being a believer and having the Holy Spirit. One of the benefits, that's what he's telling us in Romans 8. All the different things that we benefit by having the Holy Spirit of God. So look at uh, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. For how many? Uh, for who? All. All. Not just the smart ones and leave us dense ones behind. Alright? No, it's all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So how do you know you're a son of God? Because you are led by what? The Holy Spirit. Man, in fact, that's got to be one of the first things when you get born again. It's like, ooh, you go to do something wrong. You're like, mm, there's conviction. If there's not conviction, there's a good chance you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, there's a very, very good chance, according to Scripture, you're not a son of God. Then you're not in Christ. It's our name. Why did my dog go chase a cat? Because that's what dogs do. Why do Christians follow the Spirit? Because that's our nature. We spend the rest of our life being following our flesh, following, we got all the consequences, we're like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm following God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are 
sons of God. Do you notice how definitive that is? It's definitive. Well, there's a bunch of people in the world who, if they're, you know, they're kind of led by the Spirit of God, it may be the Spirit of Oprah or the Spirit of Peace, the Spirit of, of whoever. And you know what? If they are, they might be sons of God. Is that what it says? No, it's pretty definitive. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so if you're not, if your lifestyle isn't trying to figure out, not even trying to figure out, but even caring what God wants you to do, you're not saved. You're li- I'm not saying there's times in your life where you don't and you go like are off on your own, a wild tangent, whatever, but I'm saying that your lifestyle should be indicative of what does God want me to do? This is what I'm doing. What does God want me to do? I'm doing it. That is indicative of your lifestyle if you're a son of God. For all who are led by the by who? The Spirit. That's God. If you really don't care what God wants to do or wants you to do, if that's not the priority, your priority is me, myself, I, my career, my everything, my my dreams, my goals. My... Now, if you've already run all of those things through God, you've already run all those through God, and that's where He's leading you, and you got that kind of diligence of doing that, then, then yeah, okay, we got we can talk. But if it's you, 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 you. And I'm not saying that there's not going to be the occasion with a Spirit-filled believer where it's like, but that's going to be the exception, not the rule. How do you read that? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's how you know. Fernando, I've been watching, man. I'm just picking on you guys because you guys have been, dude, I don't know why you keep coming back, but I'm so glad you do, man. I love you. I love you so much, man. <laughs> but, but, dude, that's what... Has your walk with the Holy Spirit of God grown in the last few years? You would have to say, oh my God, yes! <laughs> I've watched you guys because God continually puts you in positions. Just because I'm around you and I see you and He continually puts you in positions. You're, and it used to be like, well, okay, we're going to give this a shot. <laughs> I don't know. And, and now it's, I'm watching, and, and I see it in many of you where it's like, dude, all right, I can't wait to see how God does it. Even if God doesn't work it out any way I want, we're still doing it God's way, and you know it's going to work out. And I'm not just picking on them because I love them and I've been with them for a long Like I said, I don't know why they keep coming back, but I'm so glad they do. <laughs> I, I, I would be lost, but I'm looking at so many. Tiny! How are the waves out there right now, man? No. <laughs> I know you can hear me, but you're good with your good left ear. But has, has anything changed in your life in the last year or so? of wanting and desiring to do what God wants you to do? Yeah, because you got born again. You became, you, that you're who God wants you to be. You're his child. That's how we know when we're doing what God wants us to do. Not doing it, but we're wanting to do what God wants us to do. And the Holy Spirit allows us to. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, look at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, So he says, you didn't receive a spirit from God. And so he's preaching to some people who are probably going to be in the Roman church that think they're saved, but they're not. And so what he's saying is, he's not really talking to Christians saying, oh, don't be afraid. And when you do find yourself afraid, go boldly back into the spirit. That is biblical. But what he's kind of saying is, if your lifestyle is fearful, if you're always afraid, if, if, if you're a slave to sin, if the reason, there's two way, reasons to do it. One is that God wants me to do it. The other one is because I think I know what the consequences are going to be and I don't like them and so I'm going to do it this way. You never consult God. You always consult the circumstances and the consequences. Well, guess what? How many people in the Bible who succeeded for God made decisions based on consequences? What future consequences there would be? Oh yeah, Paul, you get on this boat, you're going to get in a shipwreck. Awesome! Is this a boat? God's like, yeah. And when we get on this island, you're going to get bit by a snake, dude. He's like, awesome! I'm just saying. You got a big God, you don't care. But it's like, oh God, you know. Hey, I was checking the weather, and it's not really the best time to go out on a boat today. And, you know, there's snakes on that island if we run aground. Uh, Dude, if that's your lifestyle, if that, he said he didn't give you a spirit of slavery to sin. 
And sin is not listening to the Holy Spirit. He said, he, he said if you did, not receive, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear every time something fearful comes in your life. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, what? Yeah. You remember when they were little? When they were little and they were scared or something? Daddy! Did any of them ever say, Daddy? Did you ever do that, man? Drowned in the pool, something, I don't know. And just like, Daddy! You didn't have time to explain the whole situation, right? Of the crucial thing, right? It was probably you mostly or all of y'all. Did all of y'all just cry, Daddy? Have you cried, Daddy, yet? No, I'm just joking, man. No, you're not there. You're just Austin, man. All right, but, but yeah. You think about how many of y'all ever cried, Daddy? I pray you had a daddy and you could do that. And if not, I don't mean to bring up bad things. But I'm just saying, it was like you didn't have time to explain the whole situation. You just cried, Daddy, why did you cry, Daddy, Selma? You needed him. And what did you think he was going to do? <laughs> you ought to be scared, you little weasel. <laughs> like, what? Well, he might have in just some jesting. But then he, he did what? He rescued you, right? He says, no, man, we don't have a spirit of fear. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? How do I work this out? How do I do? Oh, daddy! <laughs> Later, we're going to even see in the same chapter where he says, sometimes you can't cry out anything but daddy. You can't even cry anything. You don't know how to pray. You don't know what to say. You just have desires that you have no idea what they are and what you got to do other than lift them up to God. And God's Holy Spirit who lives in you is God Almighty who's in heaven. And they communicate and He takes your desires and lifts them up to God the Father in a way that are acceptable. And they communicate and you get the benefit. But here He says, man, you can just say, Daddy, <laughs> you don't have to be afraid because your fear isn't going... Uh, hey, Emily, let's check to see if you learned when you were a little kid. Panic kills. That's it. Ashley, panic yeah, you just never listen to that. But, you said, but, but yeah, panic kills. Fear. He doesn't want us to be afraid. Who orchestrated the very situation that has made you afraid? God did. And why did He orchestrate it? Why did He put it into your life? Because He loves you. And He wants you to have faith in Him. And it says in Hebrews that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So in order to please Him, you, He's got to give you situations that require faith. We've talked about this. So when He gives you those situations that require faith and you start to be fearful, what is the four-letter word, the five-letter, the six-letter that begins with D and ends with Y? What do we cry out? Say it like you mean it. <laughs> That's in a movie somewhere, I think. I think when they're trying to lift something off. Daddy! When you're feeling that fear starting to come and you don't... Do any of y'all ever have that? Tim and Andrea, do you ever... Andrea, I know you got it all figured out, but do you ever, maybe once in a while, have a situation where I got no clue? Yeah. How many of y'all just live that way? I'm just saying. But literally, when you feel that fear start to crawl in, what do you say? That word that begins with dad and ends with... <laughs> Help me out, guys. One, two, three. Okay, now that you got the hint, now that you're, uh, you're awake, maybe, you're like, what, what, daddy? Oh, no, I thought it was God. All right, seriously, pretend like right now the fearful thing has come. It's coming. It's right here. And you don't know what to do. You're not sure. What is the first word you cry out, y'all? One, two, three. Daddy. Oh, man. Some of y'all you know, need a megaphone, man. I'm like, daddy. Call out. You ever called out for daddy? For Abba. He didn't give us a spirit of fear to go back and like, oh, okay, okay, I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a little like kid. If if I do this, I gotta do this. If this is the end, no, I'm gonna and figure it all out. A, a cost-benefit analysis. That's not what it's about. It's about daddy, what's the answer? Daddy, what do you want me to do? He said, if you're a son of God, you are led by who? The Spirit. And he says that's why he's given you the ability to cry out to daddy. How many of y'all admit that sometimes you don't have the answers? Oh, the rest of y'all in big trouble. How many of y'all would admit that you never have the answer? As good as God's answer. Yeah. Daddy. 
How many of y'all have ever thought you had an answer and you cried out to him and he gave you a much better one than the one you thought of? Yeah, because he's got an infinite brain. We have a finite mind. (laughs) He has an infinite mind. So you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the, the spirit of adoption. You had, the first one's a spirit of death. You want to kill sin, which is what you got to do, because if you don't kill sin, sin what? Kills you. So you, you've got the spirit of death, which is the spirit of life, because he kills sin and gives you life. Now you've got the spirit of adoption as sons by whom you can cry out and say, At Daddy, and he's going to answer you. It's what we're told to do in this. But listen to this spirit of adoption. This is pretty cool. And um, the spirit of adoption. So he's talking really mostly about Roman adoption type thing. Uh, you can go back into Jewish adoption, all the adoption. But adoption's a choice. You want to adopt somebody, man, there's a choice. In fact, it holds higher privileges than a natural birth. You can disown kids. In fact, in the Roman society, it, Carissa... If they had a kid like you, man, and all of a sudden you're like not living up to the standards they have set, and they decide they need a kid better to represent them than you are doing, they could disown you. And what they would do first is they would go look in the market and they would find a kid that's going to better represent them than you. And they would get rid of you and they would adopt that new kid. Well, what do you think about that? It, yeah, as the kid getting rid of, but what, 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 if you're the, what if you're the kid getting adopted? Woo, yeah. But that's what he's talking about, man. He's, he's picked you. He's chosen you in this. And, and adoption was irreversible. You couldn't reverse adoption in this. And when you got adopted, let's say you got adopted. All right, let's just say Michigan's not that far from New York. But let's just say they adopted you. What it would mean if you got adopted is you have no more rights in their household. The one you're born in and you would have all the rights in the household that you've been adopted into. So as we're adopted out of this world and into Christ, we have no more rights in this world. <laughs> How's that going to work with your politics, folks? How's that going to work with all of your, all your, it's my right, it's my right, it's my right, it's my right. You better see what your right is biblically. And yes, I'm not saying we, you know, you work all that out. But so often in this world right now, all we care about is our rights. It's my right. It's my right. It's my right. Well, what if God doesn't want that to be your right? And maybe that's why God's put you in that situation. And again, I'm not going to get into the whole political thing, but you go back through history, God has always given... Who's the one who made Biden our president? Yeah. A, Democratic voters, more than there ever was ever in the history of the universe. Be a little, little, uh, no, no, you know who chose for Biden to be our president? God Almighty did. And you know who's going to pick our next president? God Almighty is. And throughout history, as far back as you can go in history, God has always picked. You go back to Daniel chapter 2, that's what he says. He lifts leaders up and puts leaders down. Now, we do what we're supposed to do, and we uphold standards, and we try to, you know, make that all happen. But God's going to have his man, woman, I don't know. As far as I know, that's just all there still is available for politicians, man or woman. But some of you might have some other ideas. But he's going to have his person no matter what. And through history, he's always given people the leadership they deserve. And we got to figure out in this leadership, if we have tough times, why do we have tough times? Because God is trying to build our faith. God is trying to do something through us. God's trying to make it dark so we can shine maybe. Because you know what? Maybe when everything's all cool and you got all the money you need and everything's all great and there's no inflation, maybe we don't care as much about God. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm not that smart, but God is. So we take whatever God gives us and we live the way God wants us to live knowing that is what God has in store. Now you vote. You do everything you're supposed to do that you are allowed to do. But the fact is, is we are supposed to submit to authority unless they ask us to do something God doesn't want us to do. And again, you let God do the growth in that. But he says, you didn't receive a spirit of fear to slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of adoption. You're his kid. You went from a slave to now you are a child of the king for whom we cry, Abba, Father, while we're here. Look at the next verse. The spirit 
Himself, the Holy Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit we're children of God. So if you're a child of God, who's the one who's going to confirm that you're a child of God? He is. If God, ask God, God, am I a child of God? God, am I your child? God, am I born again? God, am I saved? And let Him confirm it or, or not confirm it. But that's the benefit. He will confirm it. So when you're walking in the Spirit and you're not quenching Him, you know you're saved. I heard somebody say once that assurance of your salvation is up to you. Eternal security is up to God. So in other words, when you get saved, God has saved you. And how long has He saved you for? Forever. He saved you forever. But knowing you're saved, when you're not listening to God, but you're listening to the enemy, when you're just listening to the world, do you know, are you hearing God? No. But when you're walking with the Spirit, the Spirit of God is confirming to you that you are His child and everything is okay. And everything is for a purpose. And what is that called, Chuck? We have what? Peace. Bring it on. Bring it on. Tom keeps dropping in on every wave that I want to catch. Every wave. You know I'm playing. It's usually Chuck, right? But I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I didn't say that, did I? No, I'm just not saying. No, it's his brother George, and he's fixing to be back out there again. But uh, but. Well, yeah, no matter what, if this is what God wants, this is what God wants. What do you want me to do with this that God's doing? Bring it on. I got a big God. I'm his child. He can clean up the whole lineup if he wants and just give me waves all by myself. He could transport me to somewhere else. He could do whatever he wants. But he chose to have me here in this circumstance, in this situation for his glory and my good. So I got to figure out what he wants to do in all of this. So the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Wrapping it up, last verse. And if children, look at this, if we are children, how many of y'all know because the Holy Spirit has told you that you're a child of God? See, Brandon even knew. Brandon was, the spirit of God was reading my spirit, man. It was like when, no, it wasn't like when uh, Mary and Elizabeth, you know, came in and the baby leaped in his womb. But no, it wasn't that, but he knew what I was going to say, man. You know that you know because the Spirit of God has let you know that you're saved. If we are children, then we're heirs. What is an heir? What does an heir get? Everything. Yeah, I told you, man. My kids, you guys are heirs to my entire cast iron collection and all my tools and all the redneck kitchen utensils on the back porch, all the 24-inch pots and gumbo pots and and discadas, you guys are heirs. You get it all, Ashley. You get it all. It's all yours. <laughs> yeah. Guns, Matt's already got those, man. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. This on World Wide Web. I lost those in a boating accident, so he didn't get anything. Sorry. <laughs> but an heir gets it all. And, 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 and in this, check this out. According to Hebrews what does Hebrews, all right, so look, read, read the rest of this. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So whatever Christ gets, we get. Whatever Christ gets, we get. According to Hebrews chapter 2, what does Christ get? Everything. So what do you get, Charlie? Everything. Dude, and y'all are squabbling about this junk here today? Do you understand what did Christ, what does Christ get? everything because of his suffering he gets everything and because we're heirs with him we get everything so terry in heaven what do you have does that sink in i mean does that really register have any of you ever sat down and really tom have you sat down and thought about what you have in heaven no because we're too busy thinking about what we have here in this world and what we don't have and what we need how we're going to get it what's going to happen blah 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 all that this should change the way we think about life in heaven. How long before you get to heaven, Tom? How long before you get to heaven? heaven? Uh, yeah, when he called you, but you're over the hill. No, I'm just joking. Now, you're in your last prime, bro. You're in your 40s, man, right? Still? Yeah, you're, you, you get it. 50s is the last prime, right, Ben? <laughs> and then 60s, dude, you're done. So anyway, that's where I'm at. But, but yeah, I mean, it's not a long time. And when you get to heaven, how long are you going to be there, Tom? Forever. With what? Everything. So in a short period of time, again, I haven't done this in a while, but right here, mm, I got a hundred, oh, what are you making? A, are you germophobic or something, man? No, I'm just a hundred grains of sand. A hundred grains of sand representing a hundred years of life. You want to count them? You trust me? 
You're counting by Snell. Ooh, that's a hundred. Yeah, but a hundred years of life. 60, 70, 80, whatever it is, grains of sand is nothing. And this hundred grains of sand is nothing compared to all the sand in the universe. And the sand in the universe is nothing compared to eternity. So here we are scrapping and fighting and worrying and fussing and selling our soul and crying and being upset and worrying and all of that junk over this, Brandon, over that, me included. When for eternity I have what? Everything. I want you all just to let that sink in. That's where we're supposed to end because the next part about suffering will cover next week. <laughs> That's going to have to do with how much you have. But you have everything. You have everything. Next week, one of my favorite verses in Romans comes up. It says, the sufferings of this life. Janet, you ever had any sufferings in this life? The sufferings of this life are nothing. You can take the worst suffering you've ever had and it's nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in heaven. And how long are we there for? So I have everything forever. <laughs> That's what it means to be an heir of Christ. And did I do anything to get it? No. So I can't do anything to lose it. I'm in Christ because He chose me. And if you're in Christ, it's because He chose you to put... And, and, and this is Him. He's got it all. And so you're in Him. You have it all. And you have it forever. So don't let this world get you down. Don't let the sufferings of this world get you down. Don't let the fact of, of, of sin that you've got to kill, don't let that get you down. You have a Holy Spirit that will kill the sin, and you have a Holy Spirit that will confirm the fact that you have everything forever. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, the provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him, we'll start that next week, all right? <laughs> On that, and it really is a positive note. But what I want you to know right now, man, you think about it. If you're a believer, you got everything forever. Just not till you leave here. We were talking to him. At, you're talking about everybody keeps saying my brother passed away. He lost his battle. No, dude. Take me <laughs> whenever you want. And yeah, you know what? I got Keone and I got Alana and I got my kids. I love them. My wife. I got those. They're like, what about what about what? Who's going to take care of them? Who's taking care of them now? Yeah. Again, nothing's going to happen to you until God says it's time. But how many of y'all think when you get to heaven, you're going to be ticked off? How many of y'all are going to be like, oh, this is horrible? No. You're there forever. The only way you can get there is if God gives you the desire and ability to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about Him. This is you. And if He gives you that desire to put yourself in Him, that means you experience everything He experienced. That means you live for Him. He gives you that desire. You have everything forever. And you're taken care of while you're here, even through the suffering. But the only way you can do that is if God gives you the desire and ability to do it. You can't muster it up on your own. So if you have the desire... He told Nicodemus, Jesus did, it's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming, you don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. If you have the desire right now to surrender everything you know about, about yourself to everything you know about Christ, man, I want to encourage you to do it. Because you don't know that desire is going to be there tomorrow. You don't know it's going to be there in a couple of weeks. You don't know it's ever going to be there again except right now. And I don't know anybody who's ever given their life to Christ and was sorry for it. But thousands like me that wish we'd done it sooner. So give your life to Him now, if that's where you're at, if He's given you the desire. Maybe you were thinking about it like, wow, man, I live for myself. I'm not led by the Spirit. That's a good reason to think that maybe you're not a son of God if you're led by you. And maybe God brought you here to hear that. And if you got any questions, get it straight today, man. Get it straight while He's given you the desire and ability to get it straight and have eternal life. And when you got that, you ain't got nothing to worry about. Because again, on the count of three, what do we cry out every time we're in trouble? Every time, every time we need an answer, every time we start to be fearful, every time we need help. Selma, lead us, man. On the count of three, all of you guys, what do we cry out? Yay! That's it, man. 
but cry out like you mean it. Say, Daddy! <laughs> and he'll come. He's already there. And that's what he wants in a relationship with you. Let's pray. Father, I'm coming to you again in the name of Jesus. I'm grateful that I can come in that name because I have the sacrifice that Christ performed on the cross. Father, I'm grateful that June 27, 1988, you gave me the desire and ability to surrender myself to you. Wish I'd have done it sooner. And if there's somebody here today that needs to, Father, I pray that they would. Father, as believers, though, I keep thinking back on my dog. And my dog, in her nature, saw the cat and wanted to destroy the cat. Father, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but what I am saying is that that should be our nature with sin. Father, help us to hate sin as much as you hate sin. Not sinners, because we all sin, but help us to hate sin. You're the ultimate clean freak. You cleaned us up. In heaven, there'll be no sin. And we're going to see how good it is. Help us to be able to dispel through the Word of God the erroneous thought that to live holy is going to be a boring life. Man, like I've been telling people for years, if you're bored, follow the Lord. It'll be so exciting. It'll be so adventurous. It'll be so exhilarating because we'll be trusting you to show us where to go and what to do. It's not a boring, mundane life. What's boring and mundane is trying to make sin work. So help us as Christians to hate sin as much as you hate it and to love righteousness as much as you love it. Father, that's our new nature, is to love sin, love righteousness and hate sin. Help us be those people. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.